We live in a culture that worships many gods. How do we proclaim the good news of new life in the one true God to a culture that values tolerance above all else? Today, we're going to find out. My name is Pastor David Burkadal. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is an ordained minister actively focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, I'm filling in temporarily for pastors in the Los Angeles area, maintaining our yard as my gym, and I'm attempting to learn Mandarin Chinese. We are retired clergy and have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience between the two of us. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. Sally and I and our son James went to the Huntington Library, Art Museum, and Botanical Gardens in San Marino on Mother's Day. We went to their newly redecorated and enlarged the Huntington's Rose Garden Tea Room for high tea. As we walked back to the parking lot, we passed the North Vista, a broad lawn surrounded by Italian sculptures. It wasn't ancient Athens, but it reminded me of the first lesson for that morning, read in churches all over the world. The Apostle Paul had been taken to the Areopagus, to the high court in Athens, so that the court might hear what he had been preaching in synagogues and debating with philosophers. The hearing took place in the middle of the temple and cultural district of Athens, surrounded by statues and altars, and Paul begins by making a local connection in Acts 17, verses 22 and 23. Then Paul stood in front of the Areopagus and said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way, for as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. How do we connect with non-Christian people in our day? Paul had seen temples to many gods. He had seen an altar dedicated to an unknown god, in case, you know, they had missed somebody. Athens was a city in the country of Greece. It still is. But back then, Greece was part of the Roman Empire. The Romans also had many gods, and many of them had been based on the Greek gods. The Roman Empire couldn't care less what god or gods their subjected peoples believed in as long as they believed that all other people's beliefs were just as true as their own, not unlike expectations in our own culture today. The Romans needed peace within their empire. Jews and the new Christian movement believed that there was only one god, and that made them a threat. Therefore, Paul's words were being listened to very carefully and he begins very carefully. He starts by describing Jesus as the God they didn't know, but very quickly moves on to the proclamation of creation by the one true God, the God who created the world and everything in it. He contrasts the one God with their many gods in verses 24 and 25. The God who made the world and everything in it, he who is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by human hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. 
Paul speaks directly, saying that the gods are created by human beings. God is the creator of all things. God needs nothing from human beings, but instead places everything in the cosmos under the stewardship of human hands. Paul carries the distinction even further by stating the meaning of God's creation with another local connection in verses 26 through 28. From one ancestor, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth, and he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live, so that they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him, though indeed he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we too are his offspring. We are finite beings so that we might be drawn to the infinite. We were made for a living relationship with God so that we might be restless until we receive it. We are the offspring of God, and we long for connection with God. Finally, Paul brings the message home with the good news of God in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God is alive, and God calls all people to receive eternal life as a gift in Jesus Christ, in verses 29 through 31. Since we are God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked the times of human ignorance, now he commands all people everywhere to repent, because he has fixed a day on which he will have the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Paul proclaims that God calls all people to repent, to receive forgiveness, and to turn to new life. What can we learn from Paul? Paul begins by saying, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. In our own culture, many are describing themselves as spiritual but not religious. There are many similarities between being extremely religious, as Paul meant it, and being spiritual but not religious, as people mean it today. The most important is that whether people worship many gods or that their God is in fact themselves, they have a God. Furthermore, whatever we put at the center of our lives and turn to in times of need is, in fact, as 16th century church reformer Martin Luther points out, our true God. The Christian faith, in contrast, is built on the belief that God chooses us. We see it in the cross. It's the only way that sinners can be reconciled to God. Paul finds familiar elements in Greek culture and religion and reforms them into bridges of meaning from the Christian faith. What are some of the gods that people have chosen today? And what cultural connections can we make from them to the good news of the reconciliation to God by Jesus' death for us on the cross? Here are five of them. First is the God of the Supreme Self. Self-help books are a huge market in the United States. For many, a radical kind of individualism has contributed to what has been called our true religion, moralistic, therapeutic deism. That is, moralistic because the emphasis is on being a good person who goes to heaven because they are a good enough person. 
therapeutic because it emphasizes experiences, particularly feelings, that help me be me, and deism because it embodies the belief that God exists but is not particularly involved in our lives, especially when we don't want God to be involved. How do we build a bridge made of common values? By naming it for what it is and reaching people with the gospel at a point of their felt need by forming worship services that allow for the transcendent, and by inviting people to empty themselves and open themselves to God. Second is the God of professional sports. Cultures once were known by their churches and temples of worship, then by their great universities, then by their centers for the arts, then by their large commercial centers, then by their entertainment venues. Now, a city is known for their sports complexes. Professional teams are valued in the billions of dollars. Young people dream the dream of living in that light. Youth sports have been pulling young families from churches for decades. How do we build a bridge made of common values? Through the Christian witness of professional athletes. By offering the Christian life of love for one another and service toward others in response to the love of God as a superior alternative for defining what life is all about. Third is the God of my political party. The elevation of my political views into something where any disagreement with them is evil and any dissent from them is a form of heresy. Social media has greatly contributed to siloed lives. Many worship the symbols of their nation. They describe their country's institutions as sacred and all their party's leaders and history as being very good. How do we build a bridge made of common values? Paul was a Roman citizen and was proud of it. He called for support of the just actions of the empire and for the good that it did. Martin Luther wrote of his two-kingdom theology that God rules through the church and through governments of this world. He pointed out that both should be held accountable for doing God's will to promote the good of all people. The blending of church and state into a civil religion? That's neither. We can be Christian communities that embody God's love focus on what binds us together in Jesus Christ and not on what divides us, and by being open to the primacy of the power of the Holy Spirit leading us forward. Fourth is the God of science. People will sometimes say, I am a scientist, in a superior and dismissive tone that is expected to end all discussion about religion. Yet, there are people throughout history who have been Christians and who were distinguished scientists. Science is a universally accepted method for knowing things that can be measured that leads to building things. The outcome of science has been freedom from superstition, higher standards of living, extended periods of health and longer life expectancy, greater convenience, and increased security. It has also led to climate change, overpopulation, weapons of mass destruction, and the alienation of humanity from its creator and from itself. How do we build a bridge made of common values? By pointing out that our understanding of science is based on the belief that there are laws that consistently govern the cosmos, that science and Christianity are different ways of seeing the same thing, that the Bible seeks primarily to answer the why questions and science the how. 
and that both science and Christianity can be used to destroy, and both must be kept in check by a divine authority outside of themselves. Fifth is the God of relativism. People will say that all beliefs point to the same God, or that there is no truth except how you choose to define it. Some will say that all religions are true only relative to the way we are brought up, which is another way of saying that none of them are. How do we build a bridge made of common values? By acknowledging diversity without concluding that there is no truth. As a president of the World Parliament of Religions once said, our task is not to find a way to say that we are all the same, but to find a way to recognize our rival truth claims without killing each other. Finally, how do we make known the God who has made God's self known to us in Jesus Christ? We don't. God is already knocking on the door of every heart. We just name the name. We all have a story to tell. It's called, How I Became a Christian, or Why I Remain a Christian. We all have a question to ask. It's, Have you heard about Jesus? We build paths to discipleship in our churches that are made to bring people from zero to faith. They are paths that are already present in Jesus, who is the way. We find cultural bridges to people without compromising any of the truth we have in Jesus, who is the truth. We pray about it and ask God how he has called, equipped, and sent us to be his ambassadors to the world, to proclaim the new life in Jesus, who is the life. The Christian communities that are built are not built on our own efforts or strength, but on the work of the Holy Spirit already out there. We just point to that which people already know at some level is within them and announce the good news that is Jesus. There is no other. There are many people outside the Christian faith, but no one exists outside of the love of God. How do we build bridges to them? How do we proclaim the singular, unknown God who has been made known in Jesus Christ? Paul shows the way by showing us how God works through him in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22b. I have become all things to all people, that I might by all means save some. Today, let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at the Revs David and Sally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkadal and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments, questions, and concerns there as well and we'll respond to every one. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated, to open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Pray about it and ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship services they have available and support your church with your time, your treasure, and your talent. Pray for and support your pastor and church leaders as they seek to do God's will for your congregation. 
If you are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody. Contact a friend or a relative. Google a local or national hotline. Reach out. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time into the light. You are not alone. Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Avoid crowds if you can. And be outside if you have to be in a crowd. But most importantly, get your vaccines and boosters. It's the one thing you can do to literally save lives and get us back on track. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with. Everyone you meet today struggles in some way. Be a helper and encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together as we move into the new normal. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.